We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, do you have thoughts poking you in the back of your head about what Anthony Lynn did last game? If you have a question or hot take about the Chargers that you'd like to tell us, you can send it in through the new Guilty as Charged mailbag. To get your question in, leave us a review, including the question on the Apple Podcasts page for the show. We'll be checking the reviews regularly and answering them ASAP. You could ask me to clarify my opinion on Josh McDaniels for the 20th time, or ask Steven which Utah Ute player he wants to overdraft in the second round. Tyler can even write you a soliloquy about Young Wei Koo and how he represents the Asian community if asked nicely. If you don't have Apple Podcasts because you're a loser and your friends make fun of you for having an Android like me, no big deal. You can also email the show through guiltyascharged at gmail.com or participate in the monthly Patreon Q&A. Give us your hot takes. The world is your oyster. Bolt up! Welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. I hope everyone is doing well and is excited for this upcoming draft, which is this Thursday. You know, there are a ton of possibilities the Chargers could go through and pick 13. Do they stay there? Do they trade up? Do they trade down? I mean, it should be a really fun week with a lot of options for the Chargers. Now, in our last episode, we talked a little bit about the analytics behind passing on early downs and looked at the Chargers uh, specifically. But today we're going to actually transition into a part of the offense where I feel like the Chargers really struggled, which was their run game. So we're going to be looking at the run game from an analytical perspective. I'm going to show you guys some visuals and some clips of why I think the Chargers really struggled and then compare it to the rest of the NFL and the Saints, because now we have Joe Lombardi as our offensive coordinator. So as usual, let's dive straight into it. So I'm going to share my screen 
uh, real quick and show you guys this graph right here. So this graph looks at the passing and rushing efficiency in 2020 in terms of EPA per play. And just as a reminder, EPA per play stands for expected points added added per play. And why EPA is such a good metric is it takes into account the fact that not all yards are created equal. So rushing for five yards on first and 10 gives a team a higher EPA than rushing for five yards on third and eight. Now, obviously, I hope that no team rushes for five yards on third and eight because running the ball on third down is just not smart, smart play calling, especially um, you know, if you're losing the game. But that is just a little bit about why EPA is such a great metric, and it takes into account a bunch of other factors, down and distance, uh, win probability, time left in the quarter, and things like that. So as you can see, the Chargers rank right next to the Falcons in terms of uh, dropback EPA and rushing EPA. So you can see they are above average when it comes to dropback EPA, but they are way below average when it comes to rushing EPA. And if we look at the table, the Chargers rank 28th when it comes to rushing EPA, you know, throughout the whole season. And that is, that's just not a good look. And again, I talked about this in my last episode, but running the ball is not necessarily an indication of how good or bad the running back room is for the Chargers. So this is not looking at how good or bad Kalen Balaj, Eckler, Justin Jackson, or Joshua Kelly is more of an indication of how bad the offensive line really was last year and how bad the play calling was to a certain extent. So the Chargers generated negative 0.141 yards or EPA uh, per rush, which is not good. Obviously, it ranked 28th, right? Now, we can also look at how bad the Chargers running game was from a different perspective, which is rushing success rate. So when we filter in rushing success rate, the Chargers ranked 29th in the league. Now, how do we measure success rate? Well, success rate is measured on a couple of different factors. So on first and 10, if a running back or any other player gains 40% of the yards uh, uh, needed to get a first down, that is considered a success. So on first and 10, if they rush for four yards or more, it is a success. On second down, they either have to gain six yards or gain half the distance uh, to the first down marker. So for example, if it's second and 10, they either have to gain five yards or if the, or more, or if it's something like second and 20 and they gain six yards, that is considered a success. So that's just a little bit um, about how the Chargers struggled last year from an analytical perspective, looking at EPA per play, again, ranked pretty low when it came to rushing EPA. But when we look at, you know, their dropback EPA, they did rank um, 10th. So they were a top 10 passing offense last year, despite having, you know, one of the worst pass blocking units along the offensive line. So now we're going to transition into some of these data visuals I put together for you guys. So in these, uh, visuals, we're going to be looking at the yards per carry for each run gap in the NFL, and then we're going to look at the Chargers as well. So I'm going to explain uh, these visuals to you guys right here. Um, before we go into the numbers, I'm going to explain a little bit about each of the gaps. So the orange bars, as you can see, represent the end gaps. So outside the tackles are called the end gaps. The yellow bars between the tackle and the guard are called the tackle gaps. Between the guard and the center are called the guard gaps, and straight over the center is called the middle gap. So straight off the bat, we can see that running the ball outside the tackles in the end gaps is much more efficient than running the ball inside the tackles. As we move further inside, the yards per carry for each of these run gaps decreases. And, you know, once we hit that guard and center gap, it's almost a full yard less than the tackle gaps. So running the ball outside the tackles is much more efficient than running the ball inside the tackles. Now, there are a couple of reasons for this, right? On 
short yardage situations, third and one, fourth and one, generally a team is going to run the ball at the middle. You're going to get in heavy formation. You're going to get a fullback in maybe, and you're going to hand the ball into your bruising running back, right? And so a lot of these third and one and fourth and yards, fourth and one situations, you're going to hand the ball to running back to run up the middle. And just, you're just trying to gain a yard. You're just trying to get a first down. So yes, the yards per carry for some of these uh, gaps inside are much lower than outside. But again, we're going to be looking at EPA for these run gaps later in the episode. So stay tuned to see, you know, the comparisons, but you know, this is the yards per carry for the NFL overall. Now, if we transition to the chargers, man, it, it looks bad. Right off the bat, the Chargers are below average at every single run gap. Every single one. There's not one run gap where they are above average. And I included uh, some of the names of the players who played at each position for the Chargers. So at left tackle, uh, Sam Tevy, Storm Norton. Four slams started every game at left guard. Good for him. Feeney, same thing at center. Good for him. We had the revolving door of right guards last season, Trey Turner. Coltoner, Ryan Groy, even Tyree St. Louis started the first game against the Bengals. And a right tackle, uh, Brian Balaga, Trey Pipkins, and Storm Norton all started games there. Now, as we can see, the Chargers, you know, they were efficient running the ball outside the tackles. They were more efficient, I should say, running the ball outside the tackles than running the ball inside. I mean, if you look at the left tackle gap between tackle and guard where Forrest Lamp played, I mean, they are a full 1.18 yards per carry lower than the NFL average. I mean, that is that is horrible. That sucks. And that is the lowest um, yards per carry gap that they have. But what it's telling to me is the amount of times they rushed the ball up the middle, right? In the middle gap, they had 135 attempts. The middle gap, if you see in the NFL graph, is the second least efficient run gap in the NFL. Yet they proceeded to run the ball up the middle at like 135 times last year, which is outstanding to me. And it makes me really question what Anthony Lynn's philosophy is. He comes from the Shanahan system. He played under Mike Shanahan. He has said he wants to establish the outside run, but he proceeded to run the ball up the middle 135 times. I don't know. It just, it didn't make sense last year, right? But we don't have these guys anymore. We don't have Trey Turner, Cole Toner, Dan Feeney, Forrest Lamp, Sam Tevy, all of these starters are gone, right? So I'm going to uh, show you the next graph on the left. And this is looking at the yards per carry for each of the Chargers' new additions alongside the interior offensive line last year on their respective teams, okay? So if we look at Matt Filer, uh, the left tackle gap and the left guard gap are his yards per carry when he's with the Steelers. So off the bat, we can see they are higher than what Lamp and Feeney were providing on the, along that left side uh, in the interior, but they are, you know, below average when it comes to looking, uh, comparing Filer's numbers to the rest of the NFL. But, you know, there are other factors when it comes to evaluating the Steelers. You know, they didn't have a really good running backs group, and so obviously their yards per carry is a little bit lower, but, you know, Filer is an upgrade over what Lamp and Feeney are providing. Uh, I'm going to just move over to Ode Ibushi real, uh, real quick. His numbers are a little bit lower than what uh, Toner, Trey Turner, and Ryan Groy were providing. And it is a little bit concerning to me because they are, you know, really low and they are way below average uh, comparing to the NFL. But I would like to point out that the Lions were continuously playing from behind almost every single game. You know, Ode Ibushi only had 15 attempts through that right guard gap. 
right? So that should be a telling factor that, you know, if you give him more opportunities to uh, block for you know, solid runners that the Chargers have, that yards per carry could go up. And, you know, hopefully with more attempts, he becomes more physical in the run game. Now we're going to move to the crown jewel of the Chargers offseason, which was Corey Lindsley. And, I mean, I was pounding the table for him all offseason. And this is why. I mean, 5.53 yards per carry in the second least efficient run gap in the NFL. Just compare him to Feeney. So just look at that. 1.85 more yards per carry over Feeney. I mean, Lindsley is a clear upgrade alongside this offensive line. And it shows, right? A higher yards per carry than Feeney, a way higher yards per carry than the NFL average. I mean, this is just outstanding from Lindsley and why I'm so excited to see him, Filer, and Abushi in action. So as you can see, Filer and Lindsay upgrades over whatever Lamp and Feeney were providing. Abushi, a little bit lower, but, you know, he's still, I still believe he's a solid player. And, you know, there's, there's other factors like how bad you know, Detroit's running back room was. They were giving Adrian Peterson carries over Carryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift for half the season. And the fact that Lions were playing from behind for most of the year. Now, you know, yards per carry may not be the best way to evaluate, you know, a team's rushing attack. Well, then we have EPA, right? We talked about EPA at the beginning of the episode. We're bringing it back here. So EPA uh, confirmed some of the priors that as we move further inside, uh, we're going to see a lower EPA per play uh, than r- rushing outside the tackles. Now, there's a reason I would say that the center gap is a little bit higher for EPA per rush. A lot of the times you're going to see touchdowns scored on you know one, two-yard runs up the middle. Right, so that's why the center has a slightly higher EPA per play than most of the other guard or tackle gaps. But still, running outside the tackles is much more efficient than running inside the tackles. And if we compare the charges to what the NFL was, I mean, again, below average in every single category, just horrible running the ball. Lamp had a negative 0.361 EPA per rush when they were rushing through the left tackle gap. I mean, him and Tevi and him and Norton just couldn't move anyone, and it showed in the film. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the episode. But the last graph I want you guys to look at is the Saints. And off the bat, when I was creating the graph for the Saints, I was like, wow, they have five gaps where they have a positive EPA per rush. And mind you, running the ball is not efficient. A lot of teams have a negative EPA per rush. But the Saints have a positive EPA per rush in almost Every single gap, five out of the seven gaps, they have a positive EPA for us, which is which is crazy. And it just speaks to show you know, how much they've really invested alongside that offensive line. I mean, they had Toronto Armstead at left tackle, Andrews Pete at left guard, Eric McCoy at center. Uh, you know, they had a revolving door of right guards, Cesar Ruiz, uh, Will Clapp. I mean, and then a right tackle that had, you know, all pro Ryan Ramjick. All five of those offensive linemen are first rounders or third rounders. So, they invested alongside that offensive line in the first three rounds. So for the guys that want to say, oh, let's take Waddle at 13, I mean, who's going to be the Toronto Armstead of this offense for Joe Lombardi? I don't know, right? If we get, you know, a like Christian Derrissaw or even a Tevin Jenkins at 13, maybe we can try to recreate these numbers. The Saints are, like, above average in almost every single gap. They're positive in almost every single gap, which is, which is great for them. But hopefully this translates to better numbers for the Chargers next season in terms of EPA per rush. So that's that, we just took a look at some of the data visuals I put together in terms of EPA per rush and yards per carry. But like I said before in my first episode, analytics doesn't always show everything you need to know about a team and 
to properly evaluate a team, you also need to have some film to go alongside with it. So we're going to be looking at some film from this past season. So the first clip I'm going to show you, this is the Chargers versus the Bucks. This is a first and 10 for the Chargers um, in the Bucks territory. So as you can see, the Chargers are in a two tight end set, Virgil Green, Hunter Henry. And I'm just going to name you their offensive line. Sam Tevy, Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney, Ryan Groy, Trey Pipkins. That is that is an offensive line right there, right? <laughs> this was one of the worst offensive line combos we would probably see anywhere in the NFL. Let's see what the Chargers do on this on this play. So first and ten, hand the ball straight up the straight up the middle, one yard loss to Lamonte David, who is probably the best one of the best inside linebackers in the league. Now let's let's look a little bit closer into this, right? So Herbert is handing the ball off to Josh, uh, Josh Kelly. So the gap he's supposed to hit is between Pipkins and Ryan Groy right here. He's supposed to hit this gap, right? Instead, he cuts back to where Levante David is, like, he's right there, and he gets tackled for a one-yard loss. Now, just watch Justin Herbert on this play also. Look, he's pointing. He knows the gap. He was supposed to go right. Joshua Kelly did not hit that gap, and it just shows. Running the ball up the middle is just not efficient. You're going to have – just think about it this way. Defenses are going to put their best run defenders on the inside. Vita Vea, in my opinion, a top three defensive tackle, the best run stuffer in the league, is up the middle, and they proceed to run straight at him, right? Now, let's go through what would have happened if he hit the right gap. If he hit the gap between Pipkins and Groy, Groy blocks David. Watch, uh, Virgil is trying to get to uh, Devin White, right? So he gets to Devin White. Then it's basically what, we've, what we're going to see is... Virgil blocks him, Roy blocks, blocks him. It's a one-on-one -on -one with the safety, Antoine Winfield. But they're, they're going to gain more yardage than negative one yards if Kelly hits the right gap, right? So that was the Chargers against the Bucs, one of the best run defenses in the league. We're going to look at the Saints now, right? Joel Lombardi is our offensive coordinator. So in this play, uh, I believe it's first and 20. This is the Saints versus the Chiefs, right? They're in a one tight end set, uh, Jared Cook on the left side. So let's see what the Saints do here. Like the ball looks like they're running outside zone on the right side. Now they gained six yards from this play, which is you know pretty solid. Uh, let's go a little bit back and see what you know how well this developed, right? So they're running the ball outside. As you can see, there's a huge hole there, right? McCoy hits him, Ruiz hits him, Ramjick's doing a great job pushing him out. Andrews Pete, if you watch him closely, he doesn't secure this block, which allows the linebacker to get off the block and make this tackle for six yards. Now if Kamara was able to get past this guy, right, if, if Pete holds his block, right, then Kamara has a one-on-one -on -one with Dan Sorensen. And I'm like 100% confident Kamara wins that and takes that to the house. But he missed his block, which only means Kamara got six yards. But still, six yards of carry, that's pretty good. And they ran it outside. Keep that in mind. Now let's transition into the Chargers versus the Jags week seven now, uh, in week seven, they beat the Jags, but they just couldn't run the ball still. And the Jags had one of the worst run defenses in the league. And mind you, they were playing without Miles Jack this game, right? So this is third and one. Joshua Kelly is the running back. Let's see what they do. So they hike the ball, run it straight up the middle for no yards. Third and one, mind you. They need one yard to, to get a first down. Run it straight up the middle. No yards gained. Now, let's look at what went wrong here. So they hike it. Beanie takes him. They have to double team one defensive tackle. If Groy hits him, Kelly's gone. 
there's no one up here. They're blitzing. They have six in the box right now, right? Groy needs to get off that block and hit him. It's a one-on-one with a linebacker, and Kelly just, you know, he can he couldn't get past that. So, you know, running the ball up the middle is zero-yard zero gain, negative one-yard gain for the Chargers against the Bucks and then the Jags. Now, in our final clip, we're going to be looking at the Saints versus the Packers. Uh, I believe this is week three, right? So the Saints are in a two-tight end set. Uh, Josh Hill, Adam Troutman here. Let's see what the Saints do on this play. Uh, first and ten, by the way. So they hike the ball, and they run an outside counter, something I've always wanted the Chargers to do. Austin Eckler can be the Alvin Kamara of this offense. Maybe not as good, but he could be very in a very similar role, right? And Saints ran, ran outside the tackles on this play, right? So look, double team Zadarius Smith, double team the D tackle. Ramjick takes care of him, double, t- double team him. And so he got stuck inside. He thought they were running inside, but they ran a counter. Look at all this open room, right? Josh Hill takes care of the safety. Uh, I believe that's Traquan Smith. Yep, takes care of the corner. Now it's it's just a one-on-one with Adrian Amos. Amos stumbles, and now Kamara has a 50-yard gain outside the tackles. Something I'm hoping Joe Lombardi does next year, he implements what the Saints are doing, running outside the tackles. And this is why I really want an offensive tackle at 13. I mean, we get a stellar offensive line. It doesn't only help Justin Herbert. It takes pressure off of him and gives the running backs more opportunities to succeed, right? The Chargers have never had a good offensive line for Austin Eckler or for Justin Jackson. A lot of the things they have done well, they've manufactured for themselves. So Kamara takes his 50 yards. So those were just a couple of clips um, regarding what the Chargers were doing um, and and what the Saints are doing. Hopefully Lombardi implements some of the same stuff that he was with the Saints. Now, that's going to take us to the end of the episode, you guys. I hope this was pretty informative and gave you a little bit of an insight into the Chargers' run gaps last year compared to the rest of the NFL and compared to the Saints. Uh, don't forget to make sure to comment any potential topics you want, to, you want me to talk about in future episodes. I'd love to get into some of these fan topics later down the road. And uh, with that, as always, bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.